Texas some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you for being here. We really do appreciate it. Today we are discussing the view from Eastern Europe. Listener Anna is a listener of the program, and she and I have had a lot of conversations over the last month about everything that's going on, and I thought it'd be interesting for people to hear her perspective. You know, Americans have never been invaded. Uh, We've been at war, but we've not been in the war, right? In the same way that a lot of our friends in the Balkans and the Baltic states have been, and Ukraine. And uh, she has a different point of view about Vladimir Putin and Russia and America that I think would be an interesting thing for many of you to hear. So, tune in now and stay tuned right after these messages. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. Sorry for the weird voice. Allergies. Allergies have started here in central Indiana, and I'm dying. Thank you for being here. Uh, Like I said, we're going to talk about the view from Eastern Europe about the war in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. Um, Weirdly, Ukraine has become a 51st state. Uh, (laughs) If you watch the, the mainstream media or politicians, but... We always begin every program by thanking our patrons, members of Wall Plus, W-A-L Plus. Join wallplus.com. You get all kinds of great benefits. First and foremost, a new show every week, Wednesday nights. They've been averaging 30 to 50 minutes. Uh, You can tune in at the $5 level, and if you're at the $10 level, you get to join in. So uh, please go. We've got an extra show every week now just for our patrons and it helps us immensely. We are, we are, um, well, quite frankly, like I've said, I want to do this full time. And uh, to do that full time means I've got to make up income I'd lose from leaving a full time job. So we need you to join Wall Plus right now and uh, increase the amount of content. Man, I have like 10 shows in my head that I, I want to plot out, but I just don't have time. So I'd love to have the time to do that. Uh, and, you know, greater assistance for our network hosts like our buddy Hody Johns. Hody is one of the best human beings alive, and he hosts Enemy of My Enemy over on the We Are Libertarians podcast network, of which we are a part. See all the programs right now at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you especially to our members. Uh, it's funny, Jason Doolittle said that I know that I'm last because you must have put these in order of those who joined, and that's exactly right. Our $100 a month members of Wall Plus, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. As you can see, that list of $100 folks has gotten a little smaller uh, as things, and so we really need you to help make up that... Uh, times are getting tough around here at the We Are Libertarians podcast network at a time we're desperately needed to expand our efforts in being a common sense news source 
that is trying to break down all these narratives. Listen, I've talked to a lot of you over the last couple months. Everybody doesn't know what to believe and everybody's really confused. And what we're trying to do is help sort some of that stuff out. And so join Wall Plus. There's our buddy Dion Curry, co-host of the Pat Down with me and Miss Pat. Also, um, you know, one of the best guys that I know and I uh, really appreciate him. And uh, make sure you go uh, check out Now That's Debatable, which is a fun show. All right, enough of all this shameless self-promotion. Let's get on with the program. Uh, joining us is Harry Price. Harry, please say hello. You're all going to have to unmute yourselves. You know, if you join Wall Plus, then maybe we will become <laughs> professionals uh, if we have a little bit more income here at the network. <laughs> I think it's my fault. I think I was like, when I was moving my screens around so I could like make sure I could model the chats and stuff like that. So I apologize for that. To, to, to I, emphasize the, you know, losing those $100 men, the three or four of them, I'm having to use Scott's toilet paper, not only for my behind, but also on my nose. That's how, listen, please join our Patreon Help help me buy Kleenex again. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, I, I'm doing pretty well over the last few weeks. I know like the whole low key wall crew has been hit by the CIA like a cold gun in like the uh, last few weeks, which which stinks. What, everyone you're except Ryan, everyone except Reinhold. So like I, I'd be careful, sick. Reinhold. Uh, I, get, I haven't got. I didn't get COVID. I don't. I don't get sick very often. It's hard to get sick when you don't leave the house ever. Yeah, right. No, no human contact helps. Uh, all right, Anna, you, I think we first, yes. uh, became acquaintances through, uh, the pat down and you're a pat down crack baby. Yeah. And then you started listening yeah. to this show, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm a crack baby for, um, two years now, at least I've seen Miss Pet on uh, the breakfast show club. Mm-hmm. So uh, I looked up her podcast. Of course, she's hilarious. She's easy to get into. So that's how I came to find out about you, Chris, and, and Dion. I befriended you on Facebook. So I started watching your individual podcasts. So awesome. So I started co- commenting on the, especially on the uh, war as the war of Ukraine started. I started commenting. On your posts, especially since once you ask me, you are—I I got a package from Russia. You're Russian, right? <laughs> and I insisted, no, my surname doesn't uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm Russian. Quite the opposite. I—I I know little about Russia. No, you have a so, funny—you have a funny accent, and you're over there. So, to Americans, it's like you all, do you all do you all get like Canadians and Americans confused in Eastern Europe? Well, I used to, but now and now um, I think I can tell. I can tell. I I didn't. I couldn't tell apart Australian from American, let alone Canadian from American. But now, listening to so much podcasts and listening to so much TV, Netflix, I think that I'm I'm onto it. Uh, so I'm just going to warn you, Anna, we are not trying to be ugly Americans. We are ugly Americans, which for those of the, you who don't know that term, uh, it is a book, basically an old book about uh, Americans who go abroad and act uh, stupidly without it, it, just in total ignorance of cultural differences and not seemingly caring about cultural differences. Everybody's a furner to us. Um, so I, I was like... You're the closest person to a Russian that I knew at that point. Um, 
and uh, I, I've since expanded my network of people into Russia. And I know that where you live is not Russia. It wasn't even part of the Soviet republics. Uh, and yeah. so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live? But we do apologize in advance. We're trying to learn here. So I'm going to ask... And these two idiots will ask a lot of stupid, ugly American questions of you. That's part of what this episode Please. is about. So, tell us where yeah. you live and uh, where, you know, what, what, just, and a little bit about yourself. Okay, so please do not apologize. This is the time to address the burning question, questions, the ugly American questions as you tell them. So, please don't hold back. I'll try to clear up some of the misconceptions I have. So um, I'm from Macedonia, which is recently been renamed North Macedonia. Um, I'm from the Balkans, that is uh, former Yugoslavia. So to, to give you a little bit, uh, a clearer picture where that is, that is North of Greece. So most people know, know where Greece is, right? You're so, kind of on the you're, where the boot of Italy is kicking Albania, which then you're next to Albanian, exactly, right? Exactly. South of Kosovo, so, north of Greece. Yes. So it's uh, Europe is like it's strangely close, but at the same time it's so far away. So when I would travel somewhere in in Europe, they always shout at me, "European, no, get back." in the line or go back left so i'm like i'm uh made aware that i'm not european uh, what is interesting is that in the balkans a lot of people that are on the on the physical peninsula don't feel they are balkans themselves like the greeks or the croatians that are already in the european union and nato and are westernized europeanized so europeanized is a synonym for being cultured being being like uh, a, a pretty uh, evolved human that is synonym for for European. So a lot of yeah, yeah we don't, don't we don't be... not, we talk a lot about American racism, but just from watching the last month, Europeans seem more racist than we are. <laughs> like, so why 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 like when a Fran a France person or a German or I don't know what you call a France person. Or uh, I mean, even I mean, French are the most haughty, right? Like, and then they considered the English forever, and probably still do. Like, you know, the white trash cousins of the North. Uh, but <laughs> what 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 is the distinction? So I know on the Balkans, for instance, you've got Croatia and Serbia, and you've got you know Bosnia and Herzegovina, so, yeah. and and you've got the wars within your own uh peninsula there yeah, but yeah. then you've got the western europeans like france germany uk like yeah. what why why are you called out when you go to places like france as being less than european what, what's that about well for once uh, there is a uh, there is a pass when you when you're on the passport control europeans can just walk in and without showing no passports no ids they just walk in and we are like we are stopped, and I remember it being even uglier, like back in the day when people would like if you are from Hungary, everybody out the train. It was like they would you would get petted down. It was like it, it wasn't you were singled out, and to the point of racism. Uh, I've mentioned a few times that like forty miles from my 
from my house, there is an American um, base, military base. And so we, like, we have a lot of Americans here. And um, I started realizing at one point, we are not white. And nobody, like, nobody could grasp that because people don't think about race or they don't think that they think about race. Now, hold on, Anna. Harry, let's just zoom in here on Anna. Uh, Harry, what do you think? (laughs) Hmm. I'm going to have to go... Yeah, I'm gonna have to go white. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you mean by that? Like, because to to Americans who have a uh, much more, uh, oops, sorry, Harry, much more like clear racial boundaries. Like, I think uh, you know, America has so many different cultures in it. In Europe, well, that's, it, that's exactly I, I've talked to a lot of of pat down uh, a couple pat down people. Like, one said to me, uh, "This is just a war against white people." I don't really care. I was like. Well, that's not cool. <laughs> like, so I, I, but I didn't understand that mentality. So, like, c- when you say you're not considered white, who is white, and why are you not white? Well, because to uh, Americans we, that sounds uh, silly. Uh, uh, we were really confused hearing it, but you gotta understand, and that's why maybe you should lean into the critical race theory thing. It's uh, the main point of it is. Uh, Race is a social construct, right? Because uh, a, an Indian person can be dark-skinned, or even a Greek person can be dark-skinned just as much an African person, or ha- can have a curly or nappy hair. So that isn't the uh, identifying uh, an identifying marker which makes you like dark skin or curly hair black. What they mean, I guess, is being here is they see the mosques the Muslims, the culture, and that that's why they don't identify it as being um, uh, European, like they've seen in Germany, in Italy. In They don't see mosques there. They have... So that's the, the, the... So we've seen the reaction, like you look at the, the reaction to Lukashenko importing people from Syria into Belarus on purpose... Yeah. As a way to basically like refugee warfare, putting them on the border with Poland, Poland like using the military to force Syrians you... and Iraqis back. Like they don't want the European Union does not want Muslim refugees coming in because yeah. they Did they you view see it. What, what is going on? Do you does it end up in the news? Uh, no, going on with the refugees. No, it it so it, are, it, uh, it it there it, are rivers it, of refugees, rivers of refugees right. from Africa and the Middle East, like. You, I cannot even explain. Those are like hundreds, if not millions, by this point. And in Italy, it's forbidden for you to help out a refugee. Wow! So if you see uh, refugees drowning, you cannot help them and bring them ashore. What? They are literally walking on the beaches in Spain, like uh, they're uh, because they're going from Libya, from northern. Uh, Africa, and they're going with like sometimes with dinghy boats if it's not the distance is not too big. So they like refugees walk out on on beaches while people are vacationing, and that is why at the at this point they paid out Turkey. So Turkey is taking they give them probably billions of dollars. So they take in the Muslims and the Africans. So they stay there until the thing is resolved. And um, most of the Middle Eastern and African refugees ended up in um, 
in Germany, Sweden, and the UK. UK put up real fight with it. And uh, in Italy, there are a lot of Africans. Like I, I've been in Italy uh, like maybe 10, 15 years ago, and then two years ago, and I was really shocked. Maybe in uh, not like it's pretty diverse, and I was really shocked how how diverse it was. I, yeah. I didn't remember it that way. So that's why it's uh, always a threat to like to direct Middle Easterners to to Europe because it completely um, uh, debalances the whole fabric of the of their society. They, have, they will have to learn to integrate them. There's no escaping it, especially yeah. the African ones where they, they have their colonies to this day. Well, which is which is like uh, America. I, well, I don't. I mean, a lot of what's happened is the right in Europe. Their thinking has infected the right of America, and has become very anti-immigration. Uh, and uh, America is the kind of culture that can help and accept Im- like accept immigrants. We're all from immigrants. Like, you know, we don't have. Like, like if where you're at, you know, the the dissolution of Yugoslavia was, you know, the term Balkanization partly means yeah. like the breakup of a country yeah. into, you know, cultural factions. Like, we don't have the same kind of like Croats, Bosnians, Serbians, Macedonians, Greeks, no. like all living like. You're, it, oh. it would be like it would be like Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Illinois having yeah. like these great cultural distinctions, but we don't have that, so we don't quite understand it, and so we we look at like the there is talk about well, the, hold on Anna there is talk about like the um the differences between uh how Poland is accepting their Ukrainian neighbors and how they're treating you know. Like we have to be honest about these refugees, we caused it. Right? Like it, it is because of our wars and the West's wars in the Middle East, and then we want to say no, you can't come in here. In Syria, half the fifty percent of the country left Syria due to the Syrian wars, and then they've they've been caught in no man's land for ten years. So, uh, it's it's really a black mark on the West for sure. Um, but we are confused in general about why Europe, like to us, why wouldn't, I mean, Germany's the most welcoming towards refugees of the country, but there's such anger over it that a lot of us in America don't get it uh, because we, you know, our airport has a Muslim prayer room and, and, you know, like it's, it's just part of our culture. I grew up in a, in a city that's 2% Muslim and 98% white, but, you know, hopefully they weren't treated all that differently um but obviously america does has have its issues with race as we've talked about but so you know when you talk about you and i talked about yugoslavia maybe you can explain what yugoslavia was and you know you're around our age you know you're so like in 91 i was in first grade that's when your country was formed yeah, I was a kid when um, when it fell apart, but I remember uh, I remember a lot of it because it's hard not to remember it. For example, Ceausescu—that wasn't Yugoslavia, but it 
of course, we were glued to the TVs as the Eastern Bloc started falling apart. So who, first, can you explain who Ceausescu, who Ceausescu was? The, Ceausescu was the president, like dictator, president of Romania. So he was um, caught. There were there was unrest throughout Eastern Europe. Balkan isn't part of the Eastern Europe; it's southeastern. So um, he was caught. They measured his. They took his uh, blood pressure and they shot him. So that was on TV. And as a kid, you see that you are stunned. You, you've never seen a live execution before. And the next day, the uh, the teacher comes in with press clippings and tries tries to explain to you what happened and how this doesn't affect what's going on here. But it did, of course, it did affect affected. Yugoslavia started breaking apart. Um, so now it's becoming clear what was going on. Serbia, which is like a satellite a satellite uh, republic of Russia, much like Belarus, uh, first started going at Croatia. They had like maybe one or two year war. Then they proceeded, uh, and the Croatians are Catholics. So Serbs are Orthodox Christians like like the Russians, and the Croatians are Catholics. So they proceeded going uh, south to Bosnia. Bosnia is even more complex. It's 30% Muslim, 30% Catholic, and then the rest is mixed or Orthodox. So that, that was a civil war, which was, which was, I cannot explain how bloody it was. It was beyond description. Some of it is on YouTube, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, this also happened on our TV slide. I remember vividly, even though I was a kid, um, the, uh, the, the newscaster ducking, like, all of a sudden. Now, may I ask, like, how far, like, if you were to drive to that area of where that war was, how long would the drive be? It's uh, 400 miles to Belgrade. It's like, I would, I would take, like, 10 hours with the bus. All right, so basically like well, a war happening in Florida for Hoosiers, essentially. So I'm just trying to give people some perspective yeah. of how close you were to this stuff. Yeah, they're like our neighboring country, one, like, uh, Serbia is our n- north neighboring country. The The border is a half-hour drive. Uh, and and that's Bosnia. borders with Kosovo, right? Kosovo had, yes, had its yeah. own war, which America and NATO intervened in. Yeah, that solidified. They solidified everything, and to this day, it haunts them. So uh, then Serbia proceeded to Kosovo, uh, and uh, I, uh, Bill Clinton was at the time was president of uh, America. So they said, "Okay, this cannot happen all, over and over again." To to Macedonia, that is another decade of wars. So this is unattainable, and. So they sent out um, planes, and I remember the planes flying over, and I had panic attacks. I know that it, they weren't meant for me, but we knew we were in some kind of danger. We just just didn't know where from, and um, yeah, it it uh, ended pretty quickly, maybe in weeks. And Kosovo got their own country. Americans rule practically Kosovo at the moment, 
And um, still uh, now, yeah, yeah. I told you Hillary Clinton has a, a statue there. The oh boy, the, yeah, the American flags are stated all around the place because they feel they owe owe the, their country to you. Really? Yeah. Um, Albanians love you. <laughs> Albanians love us. Cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, so just to like get, add another layer to this, you know, Yugoslavia is this country that that basically flirted with you know the USSR and then eventually rejected it. It was a socialist yeah. country. It had you know Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, Macedonia. You know all these different countries within it. They had a rotating presidential thing. Slobodan Milosevic, who was uh, aligned with Russia, was originally seen to be this, um, and they were on the eastern side, and and he was supposed to be like this reformer, but then he ends up becoming a brutal dictator. There's two separate groups within Serbia in the north, and then then south in in Kosovo, and uh, the... He wanted to reduce the influence of other foreign powers in those places. He invades them. He he just he basically starts committing genocide, and the United States and NATO intervene in Kosovo to stop the genocide from taking place because hundreds of thousands of people were being killed. And yeah. so it was a peacekeeping mission with the UN. <clears throat> um, so, you know, there was also over in other places different warring factions. So you have all these different states in the Balkans through the 90s as the USSR is breaking down and it comes down to what <clears throat> a lot of the conversation is now is just fears of influence right so Ru- Putin gave this speech in 2007 uh, to the Munich Security Council with John McCain sitting in the front row f- just fuming basically saying spheres of influence exist and this is really great power politics and how most of the the world has worked for as long as history you know, we, we have been living in a rare time over the last 20, 30 years where the United States was the sole superpower and great power politics didn't exist. And that's what Putin is trying to reestablish is great power politics. And so the Soviet Union and America had these spheres of influence that would come into countries and say, well, they're the bad guy. We're here to liberate you and keep you from the uh, that bad guy harming you. Uh, and, you know, for Putin... The way that he views this is that his spheres of influence are the countries on his border, the former Warsaw Pact countries, countries like Poland, like Ukraine, like Belarus. He has the right to have the sphere of influence, much the same way that Americans view that the Western Hemisphere is their sphere of influence. Like, we are responsible for keeping in line all of these South American and Central American countries. And it's very much an imperialist mindset. Um, and in Europe, these European countries say, well, Putin clearly poses a danger, which it, like, if you look at Chechnya, he clearly posed a danger to that, that country wanted to secede. He said no and started a brutal war to, to keep them from seceding. And in the Balkans and these Eastern European border states, there's been a power competition for the sphere of influence within these governments between NATO and the European powers and the United States, what's called the West collectively, and Russia. Because Vladimir Putin wants to have control, much like Belarus. Uh, You'll have a strong man in Belarus 
or in Ukraine, you'll have a Russian-aligned puppet in Ukraine, and then the Maidan protests come along and try to sweep him out of power and install someone who's more like Zelensky, who's more Western-aligned. Uh, now, Anna, I mean, is that a fair summation of kind of how how Eastern Europeans, and, and I, I don't know if you consider yourself European at all, uh, based on kind of what you said, but like you're definitely in, <clears throat> like you said, you have an American base uh, near you, but you said Russians are trying to establish a base near you too. Like, was that a fair summation of kind of the power politics and the pull that your country feels? Yeah. And uh, now with what's going on in Ukraine, now it's clearer than ever that this is not just assumption or speculation. It's pretty much... In the jig is up, it's in the open. If when uh, Montenegro tried to enter NATO, they tried to destabilize the whole country, Russia, because Montenegro was very close to Serbia. So they thought, okay, this is a done deal, they're on our side. But then they switched sides. Same with, same with Macedonia. So we had exactly the same uh, scenario. Uh, happening with what happened to you with the capital. The pro-Russian government, which was in power for maybe 12 years, for a whole decade. Um, in which country? They were in Macedonia. Okay. So they were... That's like a, uh, like, like they're following a tutorial, how to be an autocrat, <clears throat> like a mini Putin. You take, take over the me media, you put people that... Are, that are too loud or causing friction in jail. Like you take hold control of everything. You earn billions of dollars on like shady deals. So a pro-Western leader, which he resigned because he was pissed at Europe uh, when he lost the elections because he wouldn't get money as, and he would put his life in danger. So they he gained momentum with some um, with uh, colorful, colorful revolution, so-called similar to uh, what happened in Maidan, and they stormed uh, uh, the parliament. We have a parliament. So there, there were Russian spies, Serbian spies, and then CIA or um, Americans saved the politicians, like uh, the whole political... Uh, Pa the, the all of the politicians that are in power were in the parliament that day because they try were trying to form govern the government, so they swooped them away because they were about to be killed. Like it was, it it was crazy. And from that on, uh, from that moment on, everybody kind of uh, uh, smartened up because the Europeans as, as well as Americans, they just left us be. For a time, for a while, okay, you are, an in, especially in the Obama years, they thought we are not going to be uh, the uh, the world policeman. You are an independent country; you can do your own thing. But that isn't how things turned up to be. So Putin came in and like and like playing Monopoly, he took over the Macedonian politics, the Montenegrin Serbia will never be in NATO because NATO bombed bombed uh, Serbia, but they are trying to get into the European Union. They are uh, uh, Russian, um, Russian allies, and I don't think that will 
ever change, even though the, their president said that he aged for 10 years these past two weeks because he is facing an immense pressure. He's probably made two sides. Um, yeah, I watched this documentary and I would recommend people look into Chechnya because Chechnya was this country kind of south of Russia towards more Afghanistan. And it's called Chechnya War Without Trace and it's on Tubi. And this is like the precursor. So they wanted to separate from Russian influence and go their own way. Putin as an, a new president. Uh, so Yeltsin, under a peacekeeping falsehood, basically in 1994, invades Chechnya. And the Russian way of war is to rubble a city, just destroy it till they give up, and then take it over and install a strongman puppet. And... <clears throat> I forget the name of the uh, uh, the guy who's in charge of Chechnya now. Uh, maybe you know. Uh, and it's not Andropov. Uh, I'll look it up. But so but anyway, fighting in in uh, Ukraine, right? So and yeah. Then, uh, so my my point is that like all these countries, like your country and Poland and all these other countries, had just elected pro democratic, you know, anti Russian sphere of influence politicians, and saw basically the war crimes that were being committed in Chechnya and said, we don't have the money for our own defense. We need your help. That's why the NATO expansion took place, was a reaction to the to what happened in Chechnya, because countries like Macedonia said, we don't have the ability to fight this. And so in all these different countries, you have what's called color revolutions, where these Putin puppets have been overthrown, you know, a decade after being you know installed and that's where if you see oh this is a cia backed coup that's where the that's what people are talking about and there is some truth that to the fact that the united states is backing pro democracy factions in countries that are are under are seeing a color revolution and trying to fight for democracy um and you know but i i guess it comes to, so Americans kind of see this on a in a, like a flat way, right? Like America versus Russia, and we are very aware of our own sins and our own faults as a country. Like Iraq laid bare the militarism of the United States government and of Hillary Clinton and these other people. And so when we hear somebody like like you say we need your help, we kind of identify with Barack Obama going, well, we're not the world's policemen. We we lost a lot in Iraq. It didn't work out. We saw Abu Ghraib. We saw these things. Like, it's not really our responsibility to help you fight the Russians, so be it. I mean, how how do you view that? Like, how do you, how do you and a lot of your country, men and women, like, view the United States? Because that's how we view ourselves, which is a, a, a militaristic country that doesn't want to go around policing the world and shouldn't have to. Uh, do yeah. you all kind of agree with that? Like, do you see a moral equivalence between Russia and the United States in the way that we see? Because that's how we kind of see it. Uh, right or wrong. There's a, yeah, there, there's like a strong divide. And this, this decade of pro-Putin, everything pro-Russia, and they listen, they don't have to explicitly say we love Putin and we are pro-Russia, but the whole uh, concept and the whole way of thinking is including how do you view America. So 
maybe half of them think, and I don't want to play with game with uh, numbers. So I'll say one half of them think that Americans are this imperialistic. Not just Americans, but Europe as well, the West are these imperialistic colonizers that go around uh, the world and terrorize people, steal their, steal their uh, goods, the, the diamonds, uh, the oil, the everything. The yeah, and let, and let me say a lot of that is absolutely true, but what Russian propaganda does is it takes those nuggets of truth like the hospital bombing and just repeats that and says, well, we get to do what we want because they did exactly. this. And then the other... The other half of mm, the the public, the people, are more okay. We cannot be aligned with a madman like Putin. Like we cannot live in a non like di- dictatorship. It's just non attainable. It's not a good way to live. It's just not who we are and not who we are striving to be. And it's just morally wrong. So it's. Like budding heads, these these two points are budding heads, and I think that um, that everybody just like NATO united, it's the same with the media. Everybody woke up to the truth that you cannot play with propaganda. You cannot just uh, write it off to freedom of speech and just let them be because it will do so much harm. It's you. It's. Beyond yeah, it, it, the, the, the calculus changes when Russia invades a country and starts bombing hospitals and basically the largest, second largest or the largest country in Europe and they start treating it like Chechnya and rubbling it. And I mean, so where will they stop? Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've heard this described as Europe's 9-11 and, you know, uh, for a place like Macedonia, your 9-11, where it no longer becomes like this. Which team are you going to pick? They're both bad options to, oh, America's not invading Ukraine. Putin is invading Ukraine and killing children and bombing hospitals. So is that an accurate description? Like, And, and if so, mm-hmm. like, what, what changed when Russia invaded Ukraine for Macedonians? I was, like, the morning when I woke up, I had this feeling the next day. I had this feeling like something horrible happened to me, like something personally horrible, like... My life changed. That that was the feeling I had that nothing's gonna be the same. That we are in a um, in a state of danger. That our peace can can be uh, retrieved at any point because the Ukrainians didn't. Many of them didn't think that it will come to this. Like this wasn't even in their wildest dreams. They knew that something might erupt, but not at this like at this level. So um, as far as Americans are, they they think that you provoked it. Like uh, Russia had asked, has that, but not all, like some, uh, that uh, uh, Russia has asked you nicely, don't poke us, like don't uh, put NATO in our on our borders. Just keep keep your distance, and you keep on. Um, refusing to do that and uh provoking them so now they have to like to act that's that point i'm uh, how how do you where do you come down on that i come uh, down on uh even though things are complex and nothing is like black and white there's a lot of gray area that maybe we're some of it we're not aware of ukraine is a 
is an independent sovereign country that has its uh, its right and liberties to to go into NATO or not go into NATO. And even if they don't see eye to eye on some things, this type of war is absolutely unacceptable. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I I'm dumbfounded. And again, where will they stop? They're obvious, obviously. Uh, not to mention that Putin seems to be in some type of, he was always cool, calm and collected, but it, lately he's unhinged, as many of Americans say, that is pretty much correct. He seems um, uh, uncalculated. You cannot know where he will go next. So that's a scary prospect and scary thing to to see because uh, the NATO head, Stoltenberg, mentioned Romania. Uh, also, your yeah, your president. Bo- he me- they mentioned Bosnia. They they're sending uh, troops to Bosnia, trying to to strengthen them and Georgia in Asia. So, and, and how do Macedonians and you yourself feel about Americans starting to put troops into these countries? Like, do you do you resent the fact that there's an American base no. in your country? No, not at all. It's in Kosovo. It's not in my country, but it's really close close to the border. And uh, the America Americans have a huge uh, embassy, like it has under underground. But like it's it's a strategic, it's a really important strategic place. It's obviously somewhere between the west and the east, and that's why they position themselves here. But I don't resent it at all. I feel it as reinforcing and and st- stabilizing force, not the opposite way around because we've seen Americans, unlike Europeans, and I've been banned on Facebook from saying this, this um, Americans have been proactive. Every time something every time something happens, Americans come in and try to like to to restore it. They've always been respectful. They've always held held their word. But the Europeans are like um we can be bothered, but I think they've been snapped out, out of it. They just like their nice life, which is luxurious and and it's with nice standard. But this change, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's changed in a big way in Europe, European capital. In some ways, <clears throat> Biden has not been proactive in a lot of this, um, which... You know, I, I'm I'm when when wars are starting. Me personally, Anna, I'm okay with our president taking a nap. Uh, but it sounds like you might not totally agree with that. I mean, I've I've heard that he he like the he has senior moments, but <laughs> just be, maybe just because I want him to do good, so I'm writing uh, writing these things to him like. He's doing. He's not antagonizing Putin. He's not uh, escalating, es- escalating of the situation even more with maybe closing the sky, as Ukrainians say. So I wouldn't know. I just know what I see on the news from time to time. Uh, I, I the first thing, by the way, the first thing when I I heard that uh, Putin invaded Ukraine, the first thing I thought was, what did Joe do? <laughs> they had bilateral talks, and I thought he did something to provoke this. But of course, it, it wasn't as simple as that. Yeah, I, I, had a lot of talks. I, I definitely, uh, there's definitely no doubt that the Americans are provocative, Reinhold. 
I mean, but when you look at Chechnya, and if Chechnya is the guide where Putin will make an entire population submit and install a Ramzan Kadyrov, Kadyrov is this uh, dictator who basically took over for the his dad. He's head of a major um, tribe there, for lack of a better word, uh, and he has systematically shut down the press. He jails. It's what we're seeing in Russia. Basically, the systematic shutting down of the press, the last vestiges of free press and free speech in Russia were shut down over the last month. You see this rally with Vladimir Putin holding a, holding a pro-war rally saying, we're, we're only there as a peacekeeping mission to liberate them from genocide. And I think anyone with a brain that is watching images on television that isn't just completely in a stream of Russian propaganda in this country sees that the genocide that's taking place now is one way, and it's not from these Nazis that are are so insignificant in that country that they couldn't even win. If the country was taken over by Nazis, would they have not won more than zero seats in elections for the parliament in in Ukraine? Like, this Nazi thing is absolutely true. Nazi Neo-Nazis do absolutely exist in this country, but it isn't at the level that Russia's propaganda makes it out to be including a lot of libertarian news outlets i'm sorry to say uh but the those neo-nazi factions exist in every country adm in germany and le pen's party have neo-nazi elements in their country and guess who funds them russia so it's it's kind of insane that they you know claim one thing and and uh, say the other so uh the the idea that I, I I just look at Reinhold kind of the moral equivalence between America and Russia in terms of foreign policy. Um, I mean, we we have a what responsibility do we have? I think we have a responsibility to stop funding the war in Yemen, stop sending you know bombs into Yemen and provoking literal genocides. Uh, and I think we have. I, I think the NATO expansion thing. It's sort of like removing agency from Vladimir Putin as if he's just like some wild bear. Like, Vladimir Putin is just this wild bear that can be provoked by American decision-making because he has no agency on his own. Like, this is a man who, maybe he's gone bonkers, but I think has been very consistent. Like Osama bin Laden said, "Uh, if you continue to do this, I will do this. He's never lied. He's been very honest. Uh, But he probably was going to do it no matter what. Right, like he was going to invade Ukraine no matter what, because he's been saying it for 22 years, uh, and that's why NATO never allowed Ukraine to join because they knew he was going to do it and didn't want to actually fight on their behalf. But I, th- I, I think that NATO expansion and America's sins are are incomplete explanations in terms of where we're at. And, and definitely, yeah. I mean that's. He's been talking about reunifying Russia and making Russia what it used to be for years. And this is just the first step. He's already made uh, comments about other countries. He's talking about Kosovo and and things like that. Other other countries were once he's done in Ukraine, he's going to go try and get those countries on his side, too. Um, the ironic thing is that his actions, the way he did it. Uh, without trying to gain any consensus or any support from anybody. Yeah, he should have done what America did and lied to the world community. He didn't lie in the right way, in the right channels, to to actually get his war like America did in Iraq. Right. 
he didn't have any support at all. So now the whole world is turning against him. And all these countries in Eastern Europe who were on the fence on whether to join NATO, not join NATO, stay with Russia, keep the, and tried, it was trying to do a balancing act between the two countries to, to have trade and, and good relations with both are starting to just go, Hey, can we join NATO now? You know, I mean, there's, there's a, several of them that are doing that. So, you know, I think it backfired on him, to be honest with you. I mean, if he, if he had succeeded and rolled through Ukraine in two days, you know, maybe it's a different story, but he didn't. He it's It's been an abject failure, in my opinion, on everything he's done. Yeah, Anna, does the fact that the Russian military suck complete ass, does that give you any <laughs> comfort? Oh, yeah. It, it's not only comforting, it's also very pleasurable, and it feels like the good guy... Uh, when in the movie, the good guy wins. Like, that's sort of... But I don't want to be overly hopeful. Like um, Also, I try to remember, those are, by all accounts, those are kids that some of them weren't even told they were going to war, but they were going training, or they have no clue where, where they ended up. And um, so that's, like, that's the hu- humane as always a side of it but for now it seems it seems pretty promising that the ukrainians might actually pull, pull it off like they they might even win it they might even they might even win it and it won't drag out it's at this point it seems like that they they don't have manpower they are demotivated Again, from what I've read and, and seen, um, the uh, the terrain is hostile. People aren't helping them. Uh, they cannot rest. They cannot uh, maintain the uh, the weapons and the and the vehicles. So, uh, but that also uh, makes them even more uh, aggressive. There's like there, there's this. Um, story from about putin that everybody the the mouse story have you heard it no that when he was a kid he he saw uh, that when a mouse was put in the corner uh, a rat was uh, he was becoming it was becoming really aggressive and so that saved its life and that was a great lesson apparently he learned so everybody keeps repeating this this story like be careful if you put him in corner he might lash out he um when he was a kid the reason he's into judo is that he lived in this very tough neighborhood like leningrad where he grew up yeah was absolutely destroyed starved by the nazis and was uh, there's a book called the uh was it it's by masha guess and the man with no face i think it is I'm about 70% through it and his it's really good. It's really interesting kind of his background. But he he would get into fights every single day. Uh he would fight he was he was not pro communist. Uh he wouldn't wear like the red bandana that all the other communist kids would, so they'd pick on him and beat him up. Uh and so he learned judo as self-defense. So he you know, he's just got this mentality. Uh I think Americans understand if if they have a clear view of who Trump is and don't view him as like some sort of moral good and savior, you really have, I think, a clear picture of how Putin thinks, too, in a lot of ways. Like, I'm not going to lose. There's no circumstances in which I will lose. And he can't walk away from the Ukrainian war 
at this point because yeah. um you know the west has decimated their finances to the point that he he's 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 temporarily jailing the oligarchs for reason and murdering ones that are over in britain for a reason because there's no way out for him he is kind of cornered and so Will he use nuclear weapons that are battle? F- like I, I don't, I don't buy the idea. Like I think there's a lot of fear mongering that this guy, if we go too far, he's going to use nukes and Chicago will get nuked. Like, I, I mean, when when it comes to nuclear weapons and Putin using them, like, how do you view that? How do people in in Eastern Europe think of it? Well, probably we still haven't gone as far about think. To thinking about to be thinking about nukes, I don't think so. I haven't witnessed too many uh, conversations about that. But um, if he's uh, if what you're saying, I don't know his extensive biography. I only try to get sense of who he is these past few weeks. Um, but if he's uh, used to being the underdog his whole life and he tries of it. Some people are like that, like you tell them they can do it and they'll do everything to prove you wrong. And um, I hope that he he won't have to prove that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Because with Ukraine, it was the same thing. Like, no, that can happen not at this point. That's completely irrational to be thinking like that. And then he did it. And um, at least where I'm standing from, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so with the nukes, I know that he probably doesn't want to resort to it, uh, but who knows what he's capable of? If he thinks he he has nothing to like, nothing to live for, like there's there's no options for him, like other than jail or death or or exile. Who knows if he he's willing to take down the whole world with him? I don't know, but again, the, even more so, the fact that they seem the Russian military doesn't seem to be as um, as modernized as like they haven't been tried as much in in modern capacity. That also is kind. Of, I don't know how nukes work, but for some reason, that also gives me some level of comfort. So, so what would you like? America to do and what what do a lot of people in your country and your region of the world like what really do they want from America and its government right in uh, the Ukraine scenario or that that and for their own personal so give us both for both personal I would say um, if if they remain being as involved because uh, we've built everything under the uh, under the assumption and under under the guarantees that we have this presence that is again stabilizing. Uh, uh, you probably give a lot of money with uh, with the infrastructure and probably projects. So if you pull the rug underneath us, that won't probably be good here or anywhere. And um, I also want you to know that you're not an isolated island that is completely disconnected from the world. Because I've heard uh, I've heard people say we don't have any Americans don't have anything to do with Ukraine. Why are we getting involved? Why are we sending money? And obviously, it's it's not like that. I mean, to me at least, it's obvious because 
you've you've said it's power politics, right? You've been involved in that level of politics involved in the world again since forever, and um, of course you are involved. So, so so long story short, keep your promises of security guarantees and don't just throw you to the wolves. Is that a good yeah yeah at this point yeah at this point yes that would be um, but I have every every belief that uh, there's no reason for me to believe that's not gonna be like that. Do you, do you trust America to fulfill those promises? Um. Well, that's that's good enough. You can stop there. We heard you. (laughs) Uh, No, go ahead and finish the thought. Like, depends what America is. Again, Bush was a really good friend of of Macedonia. Like, he loved us. Like, he made such gestures that he didn't have to do. He came here. He came over. Like, and I have seen that after he left the presidency, a lot of his uh, colleague politicians that loved him as well for that like very hearty very like people people uh, people person uh, obama he was very intellectual also very beloved but he pulled pulled back a little bit uh, and in those years that's what uh, allowed putin to to come in in this region and and grab a hold of it trump so it depends what America is at the moment, in, in short. Yeah, right. Bipolar. So yeah, believe me, we're all tired of it, too. You, so, yeah, it sounds like if America is unstable, then it sounds like your region is unstable, too. Is that yeah, a fair way to yeah, say it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you feel Ukraine, if, if you're obs- uh, uh, occupied with what's going on in Ukraine, you can imagine the leader of, of the free world how that what effect does it have because europe surely isn't that like they're really sleepy and really but i think that it's a wake-up call for everybody that things won't just happen on themselves harry europe is low t is what i'm hearing from her (laughs) very very low t and it just also shows like you know europe kind of sucks you know it's the half the reason why like uh england got the heck out of the eu you know come on you know, they've ashamed everyone for doing any world policing, but won't do any of their own. You know, they're, they're completely shameful of it. So, so like, do you consider the base in Kosovo is that world policing? Like, <clears throat> like where, where in your in your view, like where's the line between fulfilling the promise and being proactive and going too far? Like the you know uh, the difference between w- w- what does that look like? Because to, well, to us, we're, yeah. we're we're Americans are maximalist. We're gonna go in and put boots on the ground, do a no fly zone, or we're gonna never talk to any country unless that's trade, right? Like there's no real in between. <clears throat> yeah. So like, what is that? What does that look like to to people well, in your region? Well, the day when Ukraine got invaded, uh, people from Kosovo on a on an official level asked the Americans to make the base permanent, like to be a permanent fixture. So it has its own uh, function that is beyond just a base. And I told you, I've seen uh, uh, not only soldiers, but people who work there as, as contractors. And many of them actually got married here, live here. So they're ingrained in the society. And um, 
so talk to them when I used to be on Tinder. So where, uh, how long? Yeah, have years? you ever dated an American soldier? Let's hear it. Let's stop there. Let's skip the important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did how did how did it go? <laughs> he's uh, he's back in uh, in America and he has a kid, but he's a real good friend. He's per- like perfect gentleman. Very nice, good. We're glad to hear that you know international relations are going well. <laughs> so back to back to like the you know w- what does fulfilling that promise that you you'd like to see America keep? What does that look like versus? Oh God! What did Joe do now? <laughs> what is the keeping of the promise again? Just, just be the stabilizing, of, like just be uh, the ideals you uphold. I know that within your society you would want that for yourselves, right? Mm-hmm. But if that, if that can, that promise can be made if it's a promise or a guarantee worldwide and not, not just flip at one moment. And that would be really nice. Like that, that's the most you can ask for actually. Boy, Reinhold is she fucked. I'm just uh, people will, people will uh, go after my, I, it's really, you really need to know that, uh, that, um, Things would be much worse at some point. Like the uh, what the Balkans was in the nineties. That was that is the Balkans left to its own devices in its some tribal wars, and. Uh, so you're I, saying I without without that American base and the promise to keep the peace through that base, your entire. Base, re- I don't think the base. Yeah, I don't think the base does the peacekeeping. Okay. They just uh, tr- they just send off the soldiers to Bulgaria or U- used to to Ukraine. They they are doing soldier things, right? But like on t- tender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so like, so what? I mean, what does an you know the and I, I'm forgive me for being ignorant of what's happening in my own country, but I'm curious. Like, so when soldiers leave that base and go do soldier things in various countries within the Balkans. What does that look like? What are they doing? Well, uh, for one, they they used to get drunk. They used to cause <laughs> fights. So now it's oh, that's over. And they have to write down every time they leave the base, where are you going? Give me, give me the name, the address, the phone number. Like you, you make an application to have a date, <laughs> and um, they. Um, no, I'm not saying yeah, like what are yeah. what are the bad things, but like you know how are how are Americans keeping the peace in the Balkans? This no, they, are, they are, it. yeah, it's just diplomacy. The soldiers, they like quite literally, they are doing soldier things. They're doing military exercises. They fly the choppers. They you know military life but it's not like but, I, I, but it's not like you know where we're invading people's homes and helping no, aid no. the american government shut down foreign no. media right no. it's mostly training because the you know we're giving we're giving um military weapons and things like that you know helicopters and planes and and anti tank weapons things like that 
to these people to help def- them defend themselves, but they need trained on that equipment too. So, mm-hmm. and there's military stuff that we can teach them because we've had a lot of experience with military stuff and, and fighting wars. So, you know, we're just passing on that to help them uh, protect themselves. It sounds like to me. But. Dion says, Anna, as a black American, don't trust them motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was black, so. He was? Oh, there you go. Uh, Dion also said she has a drone flying over her house. That's why he's a perfect gentleman. <laughs> and they stopped getting drunk, Chris. That's how they're keeping the peace. <laughs> it's like, um, well, I think the this is... keeping is within diplomacy. That's the, the main thing. Yeah, I um, well, I appreciate your view. I mean, I, I I would open it up to you to you know any final thoughts, like kind of give us a summation, and you know, and, and if you, you, I know you're starting a podcast. Uh, yeah. Please tell us where we can follow you. Yeah, well, um, it's in Macedonia, so there's that at this point. So as soon as I uh, as I started running, then I'll think about switching internationally. But yeah, my Facebook profile and I have a site and I just uh, did the pilot, the pilot episode. So I'm starting it off. Yeah, I well, won't. I mean, I won't torture you through the name because it's it's not in English. All right. Well, look, Anna A N A C H U S H K O V A. If you want to go find her Facebook profile, um, give us your final thoughts. Like. You know, you you have millions and millions of Americans listening. What would you say to them? Um, yeah, well, be don't don't lash out at, at what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Like uh, we deserve those funds and that attention as well, because it is really tied to you in a way. So, in what way? In every- and how does it how does it really affect us? Well, the the international policy. Let's not talk resources. I really didn't want to go there. The 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 natural resources that you have access or don't access to Germany, for example, lost its main source to gas because of the, of the sanctions with Russia, and it had to be in solidarity to the so, Americans. So, in a sense, you're arguing to Americans and especially libertarians like us, like. Your economic situation is tied into global security and peace. Well, uh, it's just like uh, what COVID told us. It's it's because it's a virus in a province somewhere in you know, I in a place that I can name. It doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you, but it, because it can very easily come to that point. Maybe I cannot tell you the exact path which will come there, but this the world is a global village at this point and everything is affected the inflation the gas prices tells you that right like the kentucky pensioners who when biden implements these sanctions lose their damn pensions like it's just yeah i didn't know that when you look at sanctions like we look at it very like it's very short-sighted like it doesn't really curtail him and it just hurts the russian people is that how no. how many people in your region would view sanctions and economic sanctions like that? No, the um, there's no oil. Like the the flower went off the shelves. Um, so everybody's and everything is so expensive. Hmm. I think I feel that we are more sanctioned than Russia is at this point. Really? Why? Yeah, because of the 
so an average uh, salary in Macedonia is 400 euros monthly. That's 450 dollars. Wow. That's the the only who is uh, who is sanctioning Macedonia. No, I'm not saying anybody is sanctioning sanctioning it. I'm saying we are as if somebody is sanctioning us just because we have the same effects just because of, of that situation. The gas prices, the the bread prices, the, the food prices. And um, so everybody is affected, but we have a lot less to live on, right? Mm. But I don't think we're blaming anybody for it. It's just... It's just one. It's one of those interesting times that we have to live through, I guess. Harry, that's why China's Belt and Road investments—not military security guarantees, but investing in local countries like south of the the equator—that's where it's been smart, Harry. Yep, doing the, the Belt and Road Initiative, you know, comes in and gives those, those cheap loans, possible of security, also from the Chinese government, also selling military weapons, doing trying to do the like pseudo world policing that the U.S. Um, does. You know, China tries to do like a well their own version of it. Get them hooked on uh, Chinese money. Get them hooked yeah, on get, Chinese currency. Yeah, get them hooked on Chinese money. Find like your uh, local corrupt politician. Get some like that. It's that's that, that same mo. Reinhold, I can't have an episode where I don't let Harry rant about China. We we almost got all the way through it, and you had to toss him a, a, a nice little lob there. Well, Anna, thank you so much for your time. It's been so great to talk to you. Uh, you know, I don't know how much how I, I I don't know if I agree with you totally on all this, but I do think it's interesting to hear your perspective, and it's challenging for a lot of us. So, I mean, what do you what do you guys think, Harry Reinhold? I think it's great information, and it's always. Uh, wise to find different point of views and different experiences than what you're used to and what you see. I mean, that's the only way you can do this is just talking to people and, mm. and getting, getting there and understanding and listening to what they're having to say and having empathy for them. So um, that's how, that's how you bring about peace. There's, there's no way you can do that without doing it. When, when you get to know people, it's kind of hard to hate people. Um, but if you don't get to know them, if you, if you kind of, Pre, you know, prejudge them or you know, stereotype them. Then it's so much easier to just dehumanize them at that point and see them as an enemy and have no problem with with uh, military action. So, like I said, this this is the only way you get you can do that and and, and change that process. Harry. Well, Anna, when you do get your podcast done, remember RSS is everywhere. Put it on the internet. Let every, let people find you everywhere. Hey, we, we're happy even if we don't know what you're saying to download it just to give you the download. So uh, send me a link and I'll put it in the show notes so people can go check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will by by Monday. I'll put it out. Okay. What I love, Harry, about the, what's happening lately is. We're starting to see people from Russia and other places listening to the show. Anna, I'd, I'd love for you to share this, uh, you know, and tell people in Macedonia to listen to the show. I'd love to expand our global reach. We've got Polar Knights on Twitch watching. He's from Norway, and he says he won the lottery because his mother-in-law is stuck in qu- quarantine. Huge win. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're always excited. And uh, Darla, again, I don't know if you're out there watching, but we miss you, and we're, we're sorry for offending you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much for watching. Please, if you uh, enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family uh, and just share it on your social media. I have absolutely no reach left on social media. I get 
maybe a dozen likes on all of my social platforms. Anna, you have been censored for talking about some of this stuff. Just right as you you were like, hey, I think one of your followers reported me. I'm like, nah, it wasn't wasn't us. It's the global censorship happens to everybody at this point, right? It's it's been crazy. Yeah, I've said something like, I don't know if I'm gonna be banned for saying this. I said. Europeans are lazy and, and aloof, meaning European Union. And uh, yeah, I got banned for a few days. Well, those and days. then a few days later, again, something, it's, it's dug up something like a, a year from a year ago. That's what they do. Yeah. So Reagan went to share my post, Podcasting and Platforms has launched, podcastingandplatforms.com. Download the podcast, please. I'm teaching people how to podcast. And she was like, oh, this is great. Hey. And so she got a notice saying, are you sure you want to share this from C Spangle on Instagram because you violated the community standards so many times? And I was like, ah, you'll be fine. Two days later, they scan her account and ding her uh, and say, well, she said, all Chris does is watch Hitler documentaries. Well, that was promoting violence. And so they dinged her. So because she shared my thing, it dinged her account. So I have no ability to share content anymore. So I really appreciate if you guys could pick up the slack and tell people about the show because the organic reach that I once had on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, it's completely gone. I have no ability to share uh, on this or on the We Are Libertarian stuff. Go look at our likes on our page of 100,000 people. We get one like. And it's good old Mott. Mott likes everything we post. So uh, check that out. So... This is the last vestige of independent thought, as Stephen Miller, not that Stephen Miller, says. So thanks for watching us. We really do appreciate it. And thank you to Anna for sharing your perspective. It's been uh, awesome to hear it and uh, great. So thank you, and we will see you again soon.